Welcome back to part two of Destigmatizing Mental Health in the Church. Again, I have our special guest, Dr. Bumpus, here with me talking about destigmatizing mental health. And particularly what we're trying to do is pull back the cover or the veil of the stigmas that are often associated with mental health. Uh, we recognize how prevalent mental health is, and we really want to create a safe space for those who suffer with any mental health diseases or illnesses. So I guess I kind of want to pick back up from where we started or where we left off. Absolutely. Um, so you talked about um, just some of the implicit biases. So you talked about some of the uh, ways in which people in the church think about mental health and those who suffer with mental health. Um, but one thing I really want to talk about again is just where we are as a society. Um, and because you are a black man, I really want to understand what you think is the state of the black male and their mental health. Um, so we see all types of things happening within our society with just Black men dying, um, a lot of it really being stress related. We're seeing people who are having cardiac arrest and things of that nature. And we know that stress is or can be a result of a mental condition, right? Anxiety, depression. And a lot of times our black men hold those things in um, and, you know, they're the head of our, our families. Uh, they're the head of our churches. Um, so how... How do you think that that is right now, right? What do you think the state of the black male is um, in regards to where we are as a society? Sure, I have a great appreciation for this conversation and attempting to demystify mm -hmm. um, mental illness, especially in, in, in the church. Right. And, you know, a, a part of it is it's, it's a corporate implicit bias mm -hmm. that we have. It's just not individual but it's, it's, it's corporate. And so I can't speak for all black men, but I can speak for myself and I can speak for what I've observed and experienced and have seen over the years, what I've observed, seen and experienced over the years. And so a part of that is all of us suffer from trauma mm -hmm. uh, with at least a small T. And a lot of us suffer from trauma with a capital T. Right. And, and can um, you explain the difference between the two? Sure, sure. Uh, the capital T is much more severe. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, um, it's uh, so much more of a psychological and emotional wounding than just the trauma with a small T. Mm -hmm. uh, to see um, family members killed on the street right. is trauma with a capital T. Right. Uh, to see your, your mother uh, struggle trying to put food on the table and not able to make ends meet, and you're trying to figure out, trying to help her figure out uh, as a young teen, you know, well, what what can I do? Right. Uh, that is real life issues. Real life issues. I mean, right. that's trauma with a capital T. Mm -hmm. um, going to school and not having the um, just basics, paper, pen, pencil, decent clothes, right. and children around you. Uh, have those things and often shame you, bully right. you, uh, or even, um, you know, just trying to walk from home to school, you know, and to be terrorized or possibly even uh, molested, mm -hmm. you know, is trauma, right? you know, with a capital, with a capital T. And so we're dealing with all these things. Right. Uh, you don't know 
um, what's going on in in homes, the lifestyles of people. It's you know it's so varied, and I mean it has a a, a, a it carries with it you know a psychological weight, and so you know that's a part of it, mm-hmm. and you know we um, as brothers as as black men uh, you know need to spend time um helping our boys to understand the young men who are coming up uh, to understand some of the d- dynamics with mm-hmm. which they have to deal in the United States of America right you know not to mention uh, some of what goes on with policing some of what goes on in i think a weaponized criminal justice system right some and this w- all impacts our mental it, it does it all impacts and then the environments in which we grow up i mean raggedy streets um, blighted homes, um, homes that are in disrepair, all of that uh, has a psycholo- a psychological weight on us. Right. And some of that goes unseen. Some of it is invisible to others. But, I mean, it is it's real. Right. And it's, it's a part of the struggle, part of what you're trying to overcome. Um, you know, oftentimes there are misunderstandings about um, or, or mythological understandings about well, what it means to be a man and, you know, a boy can't be a man until he becomes a man. Right. And oftentimes, you know, he's asked to play a role that he's not equipped and ready to play. Right. Uh, and, or, or ready to act out. And so, you know, um, oftentimes, you know, we'll become overly emotional uh, and not uh, as rational, logical. Right. In terms of the way in which decisions are being made. Right. And it's all a cycle, right? Um, It is. It is. It's a cycle within our communities. Um, uh, But particularly, uh, you mentioned uh, a topic I want to talk about when we talk about our children, right? They are up against so much. So much. When we think about just where, how you grew up, and then when I think about my generation, how we grew up, it's night and day. And I think, you know, when I was a child, I could just be a child, you know. Um, there wasn't, uh, you know, all of these things that, that kids are up against now. Um, so I wanted to ask you this question. When we think about just the church being the center, I can always remember the church being the center of the family, yeah. the family unit. And we've kind of gotten away from that. Um, but do you think it would serve our children to be in therapy just based on the things that they experience? Um, a lot of our traumas uh, as parents are a lot of times passed Down unconsciously to our children. Yeah. Um, and so I really want to know, how do we ensure that our children are mentally healthy? Yeah, sure, Certainly. You've heard me say this a lot. I think all of us should be in counseling. Right. I think that uh, our children... Uh, should be in counseling. Parents should be in counseling. Parents should be in counseling with the children uh, as well. Individual counseling, couples counseling, that it it, it is necessary. There wasn't a time when we had an element in our community where there was that auntie, you know, who had the family authority mm-hmm. or big mama who had the family authority, a big papa or somebody who could speak truth in love, no matter how painful it was, to our family members. And that person played the role of counselor and kept us connected and kind of kept us together. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that person is not in place anymore Mm -hmm. uh, for us. And some of it is because, you know, we uh, migrate, we are uh, informational nomads, uh, if it were, if you would uh, take it that way, that, you know, we're moving uh, out of, 
our home. There was a time when, you know, we stayed closer to home uh, and worked in those spaces, uh, you know, farming, doing agriculture and those types of things. Um, but that world has shifted now. Mm -hmm. And so um, our families are not as close knit as they once were. Right. And so, uh, you know, that, that the persons who played those roles to keep us psychologically, emotionally balanced and healthy uh, are not as close to us uh, anymore. And so I think it would be helpful, really, if all of us um, were in counseling at, at some point in time, right. even if it's not long-term, short-term, uh, to have an opportunity to just, again, talk with somebody to help give us a framework out of which again, to make decisions, to process our emotions, uh, to process our feelings, and even to process our thinking and so forth. Okay, perfect. Um, I appreciate that. So as a closing. And, does, and let me say this. And that doesn't mean that you are not a person of faith or that you don't have faith if you seek those resources. What it says is that you're wise and that you understand that sometimes it's helpful to have another human being who's non-judgmental and who will actually listen to what you have to say. Right, most definitely. So as a closing thought, I really do want to circle back around to this, um, but I really want to hear your perspective um, as a pastor. Again, this entire episode is for us to create a space for people that are outside of the church looking in um, who have kind of stigmatize the people within the church, right? How we operate, how we move, how we aren't as inclusive. Um, as a pastor, what do you say to those people who are wanting that spiritual connection, who are struggling mentally? How do we create that space again for those who are outside? What do you say to those people as we close? Yeah, what I would say to those people is that God loves you. God wants what's best for you. And he, God is wanting you to be a part of his family and in through his son, Jesus Christ, and that the church is not perfect, but the church is there. And there are congregations that are open and congregations that have uh, counseling services and congregations that will be welcoming. And there are congregations where you could find a place and a sense of belonging mm -hmm. and, uh, and serve there. Uh, in a way in which, you know, you would not be judged and a way in which would be uh, healthy for you spiritually uh, and emotionally and mentally. And I would say that, you know, um, one of the things that so many of us are missing now since we're on the, the backside of COVID is that in-person church connection and to be in a fellowship of the saints and to be in a fellowship of believers and to be reminded that yeah God is still in control keep the faith keep your head up and things are going to get better awesome well thank you so much Dr. Bumpus again this is below the surface podcast with MJ tune in for the next episode